and um, welcome to Ferry Unfiltered. I'm Will Chuffed. I have an amazing guest today and it is Jack Kavanagh. How are you, mate? Uh, I am delighted to be here, man. I'm, I'm excited about this. Oh, so mad, mate. We nearly kicked in early as well. We hadn't even hit record. It was one of the... We were having a great old chinwag and, uh, and then we said, we had that moment where it's like, hold on. <laughs> This would be good content. This is extremely good content. Where we go? This is what the people want. <laughs> I know we'd end up just feeling like that. We need to repeat it. We need to repeat it all. No, I'm so chuffed and honoured to get you on. I'm delighted and like I, I just like obviously I'd heard you speak um, during lockdown for one of the first times, and I just sat there and I was eating my dinner and I was just like, this guy's, this guy's good. This guy's really good. And then, obviously, I understand you've got your podcast, which you now I listen to, which is great as well. So, obviously, podcast, like go and punt your podcast, give the people the name of it, tell them where they can find it. <laughs> so, uh, the podcast is called The Only Human Podcast. Um, but we can get into all of that uh, right. a, little bit, a little bit down the line. So, obviously, why don't you tell, tell everybody, I know what you do, why don't you start telling everybody what you do, and let's dive into it. Yeah, it's funny because I've spent the last week um, taking a step back and trying to really understand, well, what is it that I do and, and who am I? And um, so I suppose the, the easy way of starting is I take a three-pronged approach. Um, uh, first and foremost, I'm a human being. So uh, I wear a number of hats. So I'm a, a brother, a son, a partner, business owner. Um, I'm a friend, all of the things that so many of us wear. Um, the second thing is is that I'm a coach. So uh, I suppose I meet people where they are. Um, I hear their story, I feel their pain because inevitably people are struggling with things, you know? Um, but then I also see their potential and I work with people to unleash that. And the third hat that I wear is that I'm a healthcare professional. So. Um, I actually trained as a pharmacist. I was always interested in health and well-being um, and the intersection between science and health. And that led me to study pharmacy. Um, I became a little bit disillusioned with it, though, because I realized that the healthcare system is actually a sick care system to a greater or lesser degree. Okay. And I wanted to be I wanted to be on the right side of it. And so for me, I recognize that health um, is not just physical. Um, it is also mental and emotional and it is spiritual as well. And by spiritual, I really mean uh, values and, and purpose, um, having an awareness of the values that we live our lives by and, and by um, the things that bring us a sense of purpose or bring us alive in our life. And so these are the kind of things that I combine in my work. And um and I do that in a number of ways. I, I do one-to-one -one coaching. I do the podcast. I do live seminars and, and talks. And uh, born out of COVID, um, we've developed uh, the Rise Academy as well, which is resilience, inner strength, and energy. And that is a cool little side project that is becoming a bigger thing as as people go through this program so that's a little bit about me and what i do nice this is it like look at, i'm like a fish with it's hooking it smith i'm like tell me more now tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> no it's brilliant and like with that talk i mean it was really good i mean how did you like 
getting see starting in you know like did, was that something like you say you're doing your coaching side was that something that built from there like to go do you know all it's going going to like did you do one-to-one and then build into like a bigger audience is that how it started yeah so i suppose to give people a little bit of context about me and and my story um as to how I even got to that place of considering coaching right. because like so many people, like I was that kid when I was younger, that was just like up and going from the time I woke up in the morning and I was like hey, looking for any way to burn my energy involved in all kinds of sports. Um, but I was probably written off as a problem child by right. a lot of my te- by my teachers in the early years and they had good reason to do that um like on on one of the first days i was in primary school my uh my mum got a phone call and the teacher went on to tell her that uh i had jocked one of the girls in the in the in the yard that day um <laughs> so but but what they realized was like i was really badly dyslexic and so i was like misdirecting my energy everywhere um trying to i suppose divert from this uh, wanting to be found out that I didn't understand. And um, over time, like I learned, I I got some assistance and I learned how to learn. Um, And that was really cool for me because at that time, it was a time when Harry Potter became a thing. Yeah. And and this might sound like a roundabout way of answering your question, but uh, it'll all make sense in a minute. so Harry Potter became a thing and I went from literally went from a position where um, my dad was reading me the books because I couldn't read them to me getting the assistance that I needed, learning how to learn and me being able to read the books. And I remember like it was like such such a marked difference in the space of like a year or two. Um, and I really became an avid learner then. And I, and I kind of joked that like, that was the first time that I entered the world of magic. Um, like but um, like now, I suppose, uh, one of the things that I see in people is their magic, which is the potential that everyone has, you know? Um, and, and just like me back then, like I was a little bit stuck. I didn't know how to explore that. Uh, but with some of the right guidance I got there and it's similar in the work that you do, you know, you develop potential in people. Um, and so I entered this world of magic and that was like around the time I was choosing what school to go to for my secondary education. And my dad had gone to a boarding school. So we said, let's look at some of those. And I remember driving down the in the gate of a school in the Midlands in Ireland and seeing this old building that looked like a castle. And I was like, deal done. Easiest decision of my life. I'm going to Hogwarts. Um, <laughs> I'm becoming um, a real wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, leaving the muggle world. And um, um, so I spent like four years in, uh, or six years in a boarding school with about 400 guys. And uh, it was like full-time boarding and we would get out for a break on midterms and so on. And, and my, my love of sport really continued there. So uh, running was like my headspace. It was my, my solo pursuit. It was the place where I learned what it meant to challenge myself as an individual. 
um, rugby was my team pursuit and I played out half. So I generally um, found my way into leadership roles within teams. And um, I think like team sports can teach you amazing things about, about teamwork and how you operate within a team, but solo pursuits are so important as well. Totally agree um, with you. Because they give you a whole different skill set in terms of developing um, the way in which you, I suppose, learn to test your own limits. And you realize that you're the only one that decides how hard you can go. And it's it's that voice inside your head that dictates that, dictates that you know? Um, and you learn to trust yourself more and more and importantly to learn how and when to rest and so on. Um, but my ultimate passion during those years became windsurfing. I was, really? I was a water sports fanatic and I trained as a lifeguard and as a surfing and windsurfing instructor. And I would spend my summers down on the beach uh, instructing young people how to surf and windsurf and working as a lifeguard. I'd love to learn to surf. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm terrible. See my feet can't touch the bottom of the water. That's me. No interested. <laughs> done. Done. Uh, uh, put me put me back on the ground with some waves. Where's my water wings? No, it's good. so I so you were a lifeguard then as well. Yeah. And and so these are all kind of things that, that really drove me. And but like it's during those years you're like being a teenager, you know, and you're like pushing out against your the limits of your comfort zone and and like your comfort zone and your parents comfort zone and your teachers and mentors and and like it's a time when you like question everything so like i question my body image i question how i fit in with the group i questioned if that even mattered i questioned like the spiritual or religion that i was brought up in you know and you start challenging everything and there was times when i was really badly bullied there was times when if i'm honest like it was me being the bully and like these are years that really shape us and before we hit record I was saying like that academically I actually went from from being like this kid that was distracting everybody to uh, really enjoying and valuing the learning process and sort of understanding that life rewards effort and that was the first place that I really saw that mm -hmm. and um, and I became quite a diligent guy actually and um, I realized that my, my interest lay in the intersection between health and people and um, and I loved the connection with, with people, but I also was kind of like big into science. And so I, I headed off to college and studied pharmacy and two dramatic things happened in my first year of college after being in boarding school for six years. Um, the first thing was that I, for the first time, was in control of when the lights went out and they didn't go out too often. <laughs> okay. nice. uh, so that was a good party year. Um, the second thing was that uh, for the first time, I was properly introduced to uh, the whole other race or sex on this earth, which was females. Yeah. And so that was a big learning curve for me that year. But it was, it was great. And I, I got through my exams at the end of the year and headed down to, this, to the west of Ireland, to this place called Belmullet. And it's way out on the west coast. And kind of the only reason that you have to go down there is if you're an adventure sport junkie like I was, or if you're like collecting a shipment of drugs off the coast, it's like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's your far out. And so, so I worked down there, uh, instructing, 
uh, surfing, windsurfing, and working as a lifeguard in in a an adventure sports camp for young people. And that was me at my happy place. Like people find their tribe in different places, um, and and that's really where I found mine. And I remember cycling off to the beach on one of the first days that summer, and it's one of those like scenes that's just etched in my memory where um as i look back down the beach i was sitting on the beach and as i look back down the beach the only footprints in the sand are my own and the sun is gently setting over the waves and i just caught myself smiling and i think everyone can remember a time when they just catch themselves and i just realized that for the first time i could remember that i was really comfortable with myself and that I was kind of proud of the work that I put in over the years to get where I was Mm -hmm. and I was excited about where I was going um and that I was comfortable with the people that I was surrounded by and I was I was really like looking forward to spending a summer doing the things that I love you know and and all of those things came through that through that summer and then at the end of the summer, I went away on holidays for a week with uh, seven of my best friends from college and school. And on the first day um, in Portugal that year, I ran down the beach like I'd done every day that summer. And I dived into the water, not realizing how shallow it was. And my head collided with the sandbank and uh, I broke my neck. And, you know, like... In that moment, I was lying face down in the water, and in some ways, everything changes, and in some ways, nothing changes at all. And time kind of slowed down a little bit, and like I was completely aware of what had just happened. You know, I was trained for a scenario like that, okay, um, to manage it with someone else, but it was a bit surreal when you find yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like life just becomes very simple. And you think about things like the people you care about. And I thought about my mum and my dad and my two sisters. I thought about my girlfriend at the time. And like we had a dinner planned that I was looking forward to when we got back. I thought about the guys on the beach. And I wondered would they get to me before I ran out of oxygen. And like if they didn't, how would they live with that? And and you, you wonder about all these things. And, and then luckily Stephen put his hand in under my chest and I was taken out of the water. And I remember waking up the following morning and I gradually became aware of my surroundings. And like I had a tube going down my throat to keep me breathing, another one down my nose to keep me hydrated and fed. And my head was in a metal cage that made me look like Frankenstein. And... And I was strapped to the bed. And next thing I see one of my best mates, Gareth, walking around the bottom of the bed. And I'm greeted by this like smiling but tear-filled face. And he just uh, couldn't speak. And I I literally couldn't speak. So um, I I mouthed the words, it's going to be okay. And uh, that was like really the beginning of, of the journey back. And like over... We can get into that, of course, but like over the years mm-hmm. afterwards, I went back um, and completed my studies and so on. But I recognize like that in my own pursuit of understanding how to put my life back together and 
how do I have a mark in the world and how do I do work that is both meaningful and impactful and um, resonates with me and how do I first of all though um, answer this and come to terms with what has happened and I found myself looking to psychology and I found myself looking to um, a lot of material on like mindfulness and a lot of stuff around positive psychology and holistic well-being and sort of integrative lifestyle approaches and all of these kind of things and I just came to realize that like health is so much more than our physical well-being it is the connections that we have in our life, lives with people it's the sense of purpose that we feel in the things that we do which brings meaning into our lives like how we do and why we do the things we do is what brings meaning and purpose to our lives i i looked at sort of our emotional regulation which is really about the relationships with others and um and this kind of stuff just fascinated me you know like there's certain people that buoy your energy up and there's certain people that pull you down and and why is that and uh, I looked at our energy management physically and like what are the things that help us perform and recover and how do we how do we be more resilient and bounce back when we face upset and stress and all these kind of things and and over the years I explored um pharmacy yes and I, I did a master's in in health and and went on to study coaching and so on and the more I learn, the more keen I am to share that with people because um, I just think there's so many fundamental skills for life that we, we don't learn and we have innate knowledge within ourselves and mindfulness, like the, my experience of mindfulness in my own life and of breath work and things like this has just um, allowed me to slow down that little bit and quieten the monkey mind that we all have yeah. and, uh, and to hear a little bit more of, of the signal and the noise or, or to listen to that voice that, that we all have inside and what it's actually trying to say rather than, than, uh, than listening to the inner critic all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, I'm sitting here going, totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. I mean, that's exactly like you say, like just that whole slowing down of it and like the inner, your inner chimp, like they say in the chimp paradox, like it's your inner chimp that's just wanting, like when you something happens, it's that inner chimp that's getting released. And I completely agree with you. And it's slowing everything down, actually looking at things and breaking things down a wee bit more. And the mindfulness, when you mentioned the breath, like, Sometimes I'll do that, like if I'm getting, feeling really, it's just that big coming right from my lungs and breathing out and just going, right, okay, what, what, right, actually think rationally here, right, slow everything down and, or look at other people's, like, why are they acting like that? They're obviously acting like that for a reason. They're not, they're not just yeah. attacking you. There's going to be something behind that. So no, mm. it's, it's really interesting. So you, you've done that. So it's like... Is that what you do there? Like, are you, when you're working with people, see, you see, you see people's potential. Like, I see that in the gym a lot. I'll see somebody and I'll be like, oh, they are, what a lifter. What a lifter they are. But it's like trying to get them to realize their potential and themselves or the potential that they can drop that body fat. I know they can do it, but it's like 
making try to get them to believe in themselves. Like, how are you with that with people? Do you find that we talk about obviously energy? People give you energy and take it away. Like, I call them energy vampires. So, like, yeah, some yeah. people you come in your gym, you're like, you're a total energy vampire. Do you know what I mean? But at the same point, they're obviously dealing with their own issues. So, how do you deal with that? Like, you don't want them to be taking away all your energy. Do you ever feel like that sometimes that you're getting drained? Yeah. So, so there's two questions there. The first one is, uh, is around, I suppose, nurturing the well, are the, the potential in people. And, and as you rightly said, it's, it's how do you help people to see it within themselves? And, and, you know, quite often that is, it, it comes back to that inner critic, you know, where we're wired for safety, where we're wired um, that negativity bias is so strong within us um, because evolutionarily that kept us safe back in the day when we were roaming the savannah as cavemen and women. But like that negativity bias doesn't serve us just as well anymore. You know, it, it takes away um, from us recognizing actually some of the balance in things. Um, so we tend to focus more so on the negative. You know, if you get 10 good nine good compliments compliments and one negative compliment it's the negative compliment that or negative comment even that you go away with you know and um that negativity bias um is something that's really strong and so um that gentle nurturing of reminding people uh, of their potential and showing them evidence of that in the work that they do and how they're showing up and all of these kind of things are just basic ways that you can do it. But one really powerful way of actually flipping that switch within ourselves is practicing gratitude. And, and that's something that's so over overlooked and it's talked about in kind of a bullshit way um, so much, you know, like, oh, just be grateful. Okay, like a load of good, that's going to do me. Um, but when you actually understand some of the science behind it, it's really interesting because... Um, when you actively practice gratitude in a genuine way where, where you sit down a couple of times a week for a couple of minutes and just say, all right, if I'm like really honest with myself, what do I have to be grateful about? Like the list is often just as long as the list of things that could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And that the more... I realize the thing be grateful for things. And like it could have been um like a cup of coffee in the sunshine. It could have been the fact that I woke up in a warm house and had the opportunity to get in a cold chair. Caught you back, mate. Caught you back. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's um it inevitably it comes back to some of the simplest things. And what we realize is, first of all, we don't need as much as, as society would tell us to be content human beings, um, but also that there's far more right in our lives than maybe we, we gave ourselves credit for initially. And when you start to see some of that stuff within your own life, you start to see um, more balance. And when you do that, you can start to actually appreciate yourself a little bit more as well. Um, for for all the good things that you do do and the way that you do show up and the skills that you do have and the evidence that you have of all of those things in your life and when you can start showing people that evidence and um, that's when they they start to to believe differently 
um, a couple of minutes ago before we started, you said you were looking at what I was doing mm-hmm. and saying, oh, I'd love to do that one day. You're doing it. You know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose I'd never really look at it like that. Like, um, it's just, like you say with the gratitude thing, that's something like I keep telling myself that I need to do. And uh, when I came out of the hospital, that's um, the woman that was helping me come back and like helping me like, find not find myself again but try to be i don't know not as down as i was and that was thing she mentioned was the gratitude and of like um david hamilton he's another one that's uh, excellent he talks about gratitude a lot and i'm like i I need i need to do this more i need to do that but then the other day i was having like i felt like i was having like a know the best i felt like i had a couple of blows on friday like a couple of things i was like oh god and see that way you feel like you're going down but then on the saturday like you say gratitude it was my wee girl's first birthday and i just sat there and i was like i've got this beautiful wee girl i've got my other beautiful wee girl in that trap she was in a bouncy castle loving life I had all my friends around me I had a beautiful wife and a nice house and i was like and i did it like you say like i suppose subconsciously i was doing that whole gratitude because i stood there on the saturday afternoon and I sat, when they were blowing up the bouncy castle earlier on, with my youngest and my oldest daughter, just in my knee, and I was like, I'm a, I'm a jammy bastard. I'm actually doing really well here. Like, this is, I'm a very lucky man. And that, so, I suppose subconsciously I was doing it. Did it pulled me up, like, from a Friday, I was like, meh, to a Saturday going, oh, do you know what, actually? I'm actually doing all right. You know what I mean? So, I, I need to do it more. Gratitude something that you say. It's, it's underrated, and it needs to be more. Yeah, I, and the the amazing thing is, like, imagine if you were able to give yourself that on on a tough day. You know, that's a day when things were like noticeably good, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, things are noticeably good on Saturday. Nice. But um, imagine if on Friday morning you had been able to say, "Well, I woke up in a warm house. My family is healthy. I am healthy. I'm able to provide." Um, a livelihood for for myself I'm able to provide for my kids Um, I'm gonna like go online now and and be able to work with amazing clients you know all of these things like are are massive wins in our life Mm -hmm. and um, the more we can like look at those and sort of count them it gives us more uh, flexibility agility when when you do have those knocks because you recognize when you're aware of it that actually i'm probably in every moment or every day or every month or every year there's probably as much support there as there is challenge it's very true very true and so there's more balance like nature is balanced and there's nature is balanced and it's primed to grow and when we see that we're both challenged and supported in different parts of our lives um, both of those things help us to grow and if we had one without the other it would be totally uh, askew ways the other thing you asked me about was was about um, the the breath work and stuff and um, do you know what I just find um, I am without doing some of these basic practices like I'm I'm a crazy fool um, <laughs> you know like um, I'm, I'm distracted, I'm irritable, I'm all of the things that I don't want to be. I'm short with people if I'm not, not doing some of these practices for a couple of days. Oh, what's happening there? Someone getting a call? 
No, not me, you. <laughs> Is somebody trying to jump in our podcast? Is this what's happening here? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, it's okay. Not me. Not me. Yeah, I can't see a call coming through either. Anyway. I don't know what's uh, happening here. There's something. Can you hear that? I can hear it. I'm, I'm actually looking at my phone and I'm like, is that? There it is. That? There you go. Mate, that is a universe calling. That's what it was. That is. <laughs> this, is, this is a test. Oh, it's gone. Um, but, um, the with um with some of the breath work and meditation um like in the mornings if i give myself like five ten minutes to do a bit of breath work it uh it centers me it just like these are basic things that i include in my day and they don't need to take long Mm -hmm. but like it completely centers me and it allows me to see a bit more of the balance and be a bit more objective and allows me to maybe set the intention of all right like today I want to go in and I want to be courageous in what I do today and like to set a team for the day or whatever it is and it's just that moment and like meditation can be a bit elusive for people and the breath work is far easier to get an immediate result in terms of feeling present and centered and you mentioned about like oh, if I'm having a stressful day, I just, I take a deep breath. Or if I'm having a a conflict with someone, I take a deep breath. And um, there's actually like a lot of science to that. So um, when you take a deep breath and if you hold that deep breath and then exhale slowly, the long exhale is, it stimulates your vagus nerve. And uh, your vagus nerve is the nerve that connects your your brain and your gut, basically. Um, and it, uh, it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. So that part of your nervous system is the part that controls rest and digest. So it's the part that chills us out. It's literally like giving yourself a chill pill. Um, and um, even if you think about the end of a long day, you finish work and you walk out the door and you just do that big sigh, like mm. it's over, you know, like, or, or, you know, <laughs> uh, oh, don't have to see another client for forever. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, but it's like, if you've had a stressful day and you do that long sigh or you've had like a nice meal out with a family and at the end of it, you lean back in your chair and you do oh, that big sigh like that is literally your body actively triggering i can relax now this is chill out time and that deep inhale with a long sigh out or a long out breath that is genuinely like giving yourself permission to relax and you can give yourself that at any point during the day and a couple of those deep breaths is is really cool um and i was reading the other day um, like the optimal sort of breathing pattern to get into that kind of rest and digest and chill out mode is is about five seconds in and five seconds out. And so it's right. that slightly, yeah, and, it, and it's like this stuff does not need to be complicated at all. Um, but one of the really cool things is, and, and I'm not religious, um, uh, but if you observe people in, in like religious ceremonies, 
you're yeah. back, you're back in the room. You dropped uh-huh. a bomb, you just dropped it there, you went religion, and then you just cut off, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, what is he doing here? What's going to happen? He's keeping them in their um, toes there. <laughs> so you were saying, um, <laughs> was it chant, chanting in that you were saying there? But was that... Yeah, so like when people people are chanting or, um, for example, like saying the rosary and things like that, the, the, like the research shows that naturally they fall into, after a couple of minutes, that five-second five inhale, five-second outhale, um, which is really interesting. Mm. People go into, like, into the zone whatever, and... Um, you know, and they, they go into that like group flow. Um, so there's like a lot of science behind this shit. And um, it's like really simple. It doesn't have to be effective, but or it doesn't have to be complex to be effective. And um, people are looking for like complicated answers for a complicated world. Whereas the hardest thing to do is put simplicity in, in a complicated world and to get rid of some of that noise on the outside. Um, and so these are some of the basic practices that I help people implement. Um, but a lot of the work that, that I do is actually really helping people to create space for themselves and to get back, uh, get back in touch so that they can build uh, when they feel disillusioned or disconnected or like they're wearing masks in their lives, um, that they can get back in touch with the things that are most important and set themselves up for for like true well-being and true resilience and and to really feel like they're uh, living their lives on purpose and with intentionality and these kind of things um and, and with sort of a confidence that is coming from the inside and not external validation and so on mm-hmm. um mm. you know see oh you've got my, my wee cogs in my head are turning here because it's see what you were saying there like people looking for like complex things that's why it's the same when you take it from that that way you're set into like a, the gym environment and people look for really complex like oh i'll need to go in this crazy wacky diet to help me get the result and you're like no you, you, you don't you don't you just need to and you're trying to say to them like move more eat a bit less like you're trying to like oh no 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 if i take these pills and this drink this makes me lose weight no, it'll probably make you shit yourself, but like it doesn't make you do that. And it's but then the same with lifting, they'll be like, Oh, I need to do this crazy workout that this guy did. And you're like, okay, well, he's clearly in gear. And plus it is he's had years and years of training. He didn't turn like that overnight. And it's like you're trying to say, well, no, you need to start here. And it's like you say, like stripping it back and keeping it nice and simple can be more effective and instead of chasing crazy, crazy things. Absolutely. And even if you look at like what you provide, say, within a gym environment for people, um, you provide human connection, you provide physical movement, you provide uh, that community element, um, you're gently nurturing people along the way, and um, you're providing people with ritual. Um, and, and those kind of things, like they sound so simple, but we crave so much for them in our lives. And when we don't have them, we go batshit crazy. Like the stuff that people do, they they get disillusioned. They feel like they're stuck. They lose um, uh, any sense of reason in, in relationships or their thinking. 
um the hardest thing to do is to do the simple things right mm-hmm. because it's, there's so much noise this is that and this is like we were saying earlier on it was like you can't with people during like the whole covid situation they're responding in ways that they maybe wouldn't normally and that's why like we were talking there like the social connection that's like a massive thing for people when we took our, our classes back outside just to see the look in people's faces is seen people not through the computer they were like oh it was like amazing and that's what i love about this and that's what that's what i love about doing the podcast is talking to people like yourself and hearing like your version of things because it's great to like hear like what you've said keeping things nice and simple and finding people's true potential like i love it mate i do it's, it's brilliant you know i have absolute compassion as well for for people that that reacted in ways that they couldn't have anticipated during this time you know there's there's no right way to react in a pandemic no <laughs> i've never been in one of this is my first one this is <laughs> You know, like what one of us ever got the training for this? <laughs> exactly. This is it. It's like this is a curveball. I mean, it's that nobody, nobody knows. We can t- you can tell the government don't really know what to do with it either. So it's like what of them. You can see what they're doing at the moment. It's just it's, it's very very different. It's a very Absolutely. weird situation. Oh, you're back. I thought I'd lost you again. No, don't worry. I always come back. <laughs> <laughs> like a bad smell. No, not at all. Not at all, mate. Not at all. <laughs> so, you obviously did, like, we were talking with that talk. Like, how do you feel going up and talking in front of like an, like an audience? Like, that's the thing. Like, obviously, when I, met, when I, when I heard you, you were speaking, there was... It was very, very busy on that. That um, it wasn't Zoom; it was through Eventbrite. Um, mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you feel going up on the stage? Like, are you do, you? do you still get nervous? Do you you feeling a bit more relaxed? Do you do your breathing techniques? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, like quite, quite, quite literally, I do the breathing techniques before <laughs> I start. Um, like, I'm uh, the podcast is called Only Human, and that's literally it. Like, I, I am just as human as anybody else and so are all the people that people look up to and that I looked up to in the past and the more I got to know some of the people that I admired um, I recognized that these are imperfect people Um, I had this image of perfection in my mind but like it's their imperfection that actually makes them remarkable and and so on and um, they feel the fear I feel the fear um, we feel stuck at times, we feel uncertain, um, and I feel all of those things. And like getting up on stage is always um, a bit nerve wracking, but I've learned some ways of flipping a switch in my mind. Um, you know, I, I started small. Um, I didn't start with the number that you saw on, the, on, that, um, on that call. I, um, I started small. But a really interesting switch that got flipped in my mind was by um, a speaking coach um, that, that I got to know called Jerry, Jerry Duffy. And he said, um, you're thinking about yourself going up on stage, but um, 
when you get stuck in your own head, you're gonna you're gonna feel all that fear and 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 it's a far harder place to be rather than thinking of what would everybody miss out on if I didn't get up and share. And it's it's a complete flip of the situation. And um think about all all the like value that they would miss out on if I didn't get up and share. And you know, I always say to the audiences when they ask me or or individuals and they ask me um about this kind of thing do you not feel very vulnerable sharing in the way that you do and i would say well what do you see when you see me sharing like this Mm -hmm. and they would say well i see bravery and i see courage and i see um a powerful young man and all of these kind of things and so often we think that when we share our vulnerabilities which are the very things that make us human beings. Um, we see that as a point at which we're fallible or that we'll be cut down. But so often when we do that, that's where people come in and lift us up. That's where people see the courage and, and the power. And, and it's when somebody shares the vulnerable piece and, and actually says, you know, like we have such a tendency in here in Ireland, uh, oh, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, things are great. Oh, everything's fine. And it's the day, the day that someone actually stops and says, you know what? I'm having a really rough day. Mm-hmm. That's the day when you're like, that stops you in your tracks. That makes you pause. That's the moment that allows somebody into your world to connect. Mm-hmm. And at any point in your life, when you feel that you've really connected with someone, um, the fastest way in is through shared vulnerability. And, and that's some of the most powerful you'll have in your life. Um, just think about the first time that you uh, told your wife, for example, how much you care about her mm-hmm. and put yourself out on, on a ledge that you felt like, like this is a moment where everything could go to shit. Yep. or or it could be great you know um and and it's in a moment like that that uh there's so much potential for good to come from and it can be some of the most powerful times and it's the same when i'm on stage um i know that by me stepping up and doing that as hard as it sometimes is that i'm giving somebody else permission to to step into their own story i'm giving someone else permission to honor themselves and giving someone else permission to open the door and be vulnerable and actually to experience the power and the the catharsis that can come from that that's powerful no definitely and you're completely right and like you say the whole vulnerable side and not wanting to see that that's that's how like i felt when i'd met i'd met my nurse it's actually quite weird we're talking about this today because I had to get a phone call from my nurse um, about like um, my checkup and stuff. And that was my nurse, Eleanor, just retired, just when I was finishing up. And that was one thing she says to me. She was like, um, you need to, t- you need, you- when you're ready, talk about it. And she goes, and I was like, nah, 
I'm not talking about it. And she's like, oh, she goes, I know from talking to you, it's going to help you. And that's one of the first things I did was I went on my friend Lisa's podcast and I told my story and I had pammed Lisa off many a time. Like, no, I'm all right. I'm not going to, oh, I'm busy. I can't go on it. And I thought every excuse under the sun until my nurse sat down and she's like, tell your story. And I did. And it was like a massive release because I was like, that was actually, I felt like I was going to greet you on the podcast, but I didn't. I was actually all right. But like, I was like, this is really good. And see, now I started feeling like I was able to talk more. And then I started feeling actually like a shift that I was becoming more me. Hence, I did a podcast with my friend and I loved it. It was great. But when I wrote my article for Bill Cancer UK, I, I said to him, he's luckily my friend's really respectful and he just was like, no, do it. And I was like, I think I need to be Chris Ferry for a wee while. And that's what I done. And I started like sharing my stories and meeting people that I, my whole idea was meeting people that I found inspirational and get what to hear their stories to inspire others to like, make people say, like, share their sort of do or push themselves out of their comfort zone. So no, I mate, I, you, def you definitely know what you're talking about, Jack. I, you definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's like I, I got the opportunity a couple of years ago to do uh, probably the hardest talk that I've ever done in my life. It was a 60-second talk. Oh. Okay. Now, it, was, it just so happened to be in front of 3,000 people. But that wasn't... <laughs> That wasn't the hard part. Um, I it was at this event called the Pendulum Summit, which is is in Ireland. It's probably the biggest. It is the biggest uh, sort of personal empowerment and business event. And um, so I did sixty seconds in the morning. Um, uh, they do this thing for the de delegate speakers. They call so between all the big speakers, they they put a few a few local boys up and. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I pitched myself for it and I got an opportunity and I did 60 seconds that morning and Tony Robbins did six hours in the afternoon, Whoa. Um, which was nuts. But um, in that morning, um, I spent weeks thinking of what can I say in 60 seconds? And I said three things, um, three messages, 20 seconds each. Um, the first thing I said is that everybody has their shit. It's just boxed in different ways. And I'll explain them a bit longer here. So as I go down the street, like my, my challenge is very obvious. Like I, I have 15% muscle function. I use my shoulders, my biceps and my wrists to do everything. Okay. I'm rocking, rocking down, rocking down the road in a wheelchair and people can see that and say okay there's something that that's a challenge he faces what mm -hmm. i can't see is that the girl across the street is struggling with anxiety and barely got out the door that morning that uh someone that just walked past me has been diagnosed with cancer that another person is struggling with their sexuality and trying to understand when is the right time to come out and how do I do it and who do I do it to. Another person is facing financial struggles and the list goes on and on and on and on. And the thing is, is that when you recognize that at some point or other and in different ways at different times, everybody is facing their challenge, it puts us all on a very level playing field in many ways. And we look on at people's lives and say, they've got nothing going on compared to me or 
I would never deal with what that person has gone through. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that's, that's the extent of their experience. We can really, we can learn from others, but um, that comparison and other people's stories, it's obviously this. And so everybody can have a playing field when you understand that we all face our shit in different ways. The second thing that I learned was, and let me know, have I dropped out there? Just a wee bit, but I've got you back. I've got you back. Yeah. Um, the second thing that I, that I talked about that day was um, the choices you make over time lead you either to surviving or thriving in your life. And so the extent to which you choose to say, I can or I can't fight on or give up, uh, say yes or no, is the extent to which you either thrive or, or, or just survive. And the thing is, is recognizing that you've got more choice in this than you might let on. Like in the early days, I could do absolutely nothing for myself. I couldn't scratch my nose. I literally couldn't breathe without the aid of a ventilator. And day in, day out for months and years, I had to become aware that I had choices. Um, And the choices were to do the simplest of things from like learning to pick up a spoon to how to brush my teeth to then like do my hair to learn to get dressed to shower myself like you know mm-hmm. and then it turned to bigger things and this is a muscle that we practice every day it's like the small choices we make really do compound over time and you don't get it right all the time i certainly don't anyway but if i get it if i choose to say yes i can and to keep on fighting 51 percent of the time i'm winning yeah you know, I'm going that. in the right direction. And the the third, and, and like that brings in, I have massive compassion because I've been there. I've been on those brutal days where, brutal days and weeks where like I literally couldn't make eye contact with people because I just didn't want to see, let them see what I was going through. I thought that if I made eye contact, they would see even a bit of the pain that I was in. Mm-hmm. And that was like, too much for me to bear and so i get it i get those really brutal places that people find themselves in um but from those places is where we rise and that's where we get made um and the third thing that i learned and it came from something really simple my dad said to me one day when i was leaving the house he said uh, i was going out to get in the car um to go into town or something and and he said uh, impress yourself today jack and and i was bowed over because you know i thought about it and each one of us has a completely unique set of skills completely unique life experience a complete unique way of being in the world um we do ourselves and the world a fundamental disservice when we compare ourselves to anybody else. And so this idea of impress yourself was, was, it just blew me away. And like, imagine if more nights uh, in a week, we could put our head down on the bed and said, you know what I gave today a good shot. Mm -hmm. No, like, like what is living, what is living a good life? It's, it's showing up every day and, and giving it a good shot, you know, and, and we can have compassion for ourselves when we do that. 
on more days than not and uh we can be that little bit kinder to ourselves so um that 60 second talk was the hardest talk i ever gave in my life um but it's the three messages that i came up with are things that i include in in most of most of the work i do um particularly when i'm giving talks now it's brilliant it's like you say, it's nice and it makes you think, but like like you said, like just that last bit there, like just go and impress yourself with others. That's that. It's you're bang on. It's really, really good. And sixty seconds, that's that's amazing. If it had sixty seconds, that is just brilliant. Like it was a, it was a bit crisper than that. Ah <laughs> it was just ah blah, 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 blah. <laughs> what did he say what did he say i'm sure i'm sure it was positive i'm sure it was really good (laughs) i i actually i we we were releasing a documentary at that time um uh, as well and uh i i even managed to get a pitch in for the documentary at the end so (laughs) (laughs) that is brilliant i I love that's what i love i love doing that that, that's 60 seconds it's like um when you hear people talk about uh is it the elevator, like the elevator pitch? Have you heard of that? You have to try and, and that's, yeah. that's what it just reminded me of, like how do you pitch within that certain time? And I always think it's so, so impressive because I'm reading a book um, <laughs> and it's like um, Talk Like Ted and it's um, about how to do, like, how do they break down TED Talks and how to, how to talk like Ted. And that's the thing, I think it's amazing. I mean, you obviously see people like Tony Robbins. I mean, something like that, that seminar, that's just amazing if you're on the same stage as somebody like him as well yeah um he is a huge person like (laughs) like there's a photo there's a photo um of i managed just to catch a photo beside him as he was leaving the stage and his hand is about two times the size of my head um he is just he has a he actually has a gigantism and oh, really? um, it's oh yeah he has like a, a hormonal defect in his brain and people believe like it's part of the reason he has so much energy is um is, is that to do with that but uh yeah he is a presence and like i it's funny like because i i don't know scottish people are quite similar i think but we have a healthy dose of skepticism for most things <laughs> and <laughs> so true by the way <laughs> uh, and uh tony tony robbins rocked up in ireland and and uh he kicks off and it, it's literally like a rave you know and like the lights are going and people are up and jumping and the strobe lights and 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 like people are high-fiving and hugging and it was so funny because up up the front you had like all the people that were like fully invested that were like ah i'm i'm not in the office like fuck it i'll give it a go <laughs> um, then you have the people in the middle that are like oh this is weird but i'm here you know like i'm here i'll just go over i mean as well <laughs> like they were going in for the hug but they were kind of squirming and and uh <laughs> then you have the guys down the back that aren't even sitting in their seats they're literally like the guys at mass that lean up against the back wall and <laughs> they're they're just there and you can see them nearly out of the corner of their mouth being like who the fuck is this lad <laughs> 
Tony who? <laughs> See, that's the way I, I'm like, that's like a couple of my friends had went to his thing and they were like, oh, it was amazing. I was diving about, it was high-fiving everybody and I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I said, even I was a bit like that. I was like, oh, I don't know. But I know if I was there, but like, woo, there we go. This is great. It'd be a little loving yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> totally changed man when I go to it. No, it's like, uh, he's got his big seminars and what is it, in London he does them as well, isn't it? Yeah, unleash, unleash the power within. That's the one. That is the one. You walk in coals, isn't it? You walk in a, 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 a yeah. I don't know. I, I often wondered how he'd approach that with me. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Tony. What are you going to do? <laughs> Tony, any remedies for a spinal cord injury? <laughs> Just believe in yourself. Yeah, but cool. That's fine. Right. <laughs> Cheers, Tony. <laughs> Give me a high five. Come on, let's go. <laughs> oh. I know it'd be better. Ah, it's one of the eggs, mate. So, see, when you do that, like, are you what have you got planned then? Like, are you have you moved to see where you're like seminars? You did that one. Have you buy it? Have you got any more coming up? Have you got any more like, online seminars coming up? Yeah. So, um, I took a little bit of time out during the summer because. You know, it's been the the COVID period has been full on. Um, similar to yourself, I pivoted my my whole business online, and there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes on with that. And um, and so I took I took about uh four weeks out. Um, I was um I'm I'm really diligent about uh creating space for my own recovery, and mm -hmm. um, so that was really important. So I'm ramping back up again now, and. Um, I'll be launching my Rise group again um, for September. Um, so I'm in the planning stages for that, nice. which is really exciting. And um, and yeah, there's some exciting stuff to come. I'm I'm um, in the process of of engaging with people on a brand redesign and things like that. Um, which is you know what it's it's really important. I think that the messages that are going out are congruent when so much of a clean simple effective messaging when so much noise exists on the internet now you know and people are spending so much of their time and um so that's something that i'm really focusing on but the bulk of my of my work will be within the rise group over the next couple of months um i'm going back actually to do uh diploma in the college of surgeons um and at the royal college of surgeons in dublin um and that diploma is in positive psychology and positive health so nice. we're really looking at like um how like psychology um psychology and lifestyle medicine in integrate um so i'm really excited about that um and to be able to bring some of those learnings to to my clients as well should be good fun and you know what i'm just excited about things things are things are really good at the moment august is a strange month for me in that and someone said it to me the other day they said it's almost like you were born twice in august because my birthday is at the beginning of august okay. and the end of august marks the anniversary of the spinal cord injury and right. how many so years is that jack how many years is the spinal cord injury so on the 31st of august it'll be eight years um oh. which is which is remarkable yeah so i was 20 when that happened and um yeah i just turned 20 when that mm -hmm. happened 
and you know it's that part of your life when you really think you're invincible um you literally think you have the world at your feet um i was really physically fit i was like training and running and on the water all day every day and um i was loving life you know and um sort of in a heartbeat that uh that is in some ways you think it's taken away but really um the way in which you interact with your life is completely challenged and changed and it really gives you chance for pause so to understand well like how how do i live well now i suppose and and that was really interesting for me and i think august is always a time of of reflection for me where i i sort of hit pause and i say like can i be proud of how i'm showing up in the world Mm -hmm. and um i kind of go back to that moment where like i'm face down in the water and life becomes very simple Mm -hmm. and and it's like well what are the most important things and it's like okay well the things that are most important to me are my health the relationships in my life and and doing doing meaningful work and the work you do no matter what it is can be meaningful Uh um no matter what it is it's the way that you approach it and yeah i really get deliberate about how i think about those things and about creating space and energy um to put towards those things that are most important and everything else is just noise um and periodically through through the year just like everybody i get pulled and dragged off course it's a noisy world but like i think a couple of times a year it's really important to create a bit of space to reflect and say well where am i um and how do i want to be how do i want to be doing this this big game that we call life you're completely right i was talking to my wife about this today and i was like we need time out we need to just time out take away you said you took your four weeks i'm like I need time out soon. I need to get away and just zone down a bit and just like get my own headspace back and stuff like that. And but the thing is, but like like you're saying, like everyone you're doing it is amazing. Even like I'm talking to you through Zoom. Now I mean, you're, you've got this amazing. Like, I never used to use words by the way, like this like, energy and all that. But like you have, yeah, you've got this really like amazing energy. Like you just, you've totally filled my cup up today. I'm like, this is great. I'm like coming out of here the day going. <laughs> Guys, brilliant! I really like him. Do you know what I mean? But you've got like this infectious personality. That you go, oh, you're really, you're an interesting guy. You're very positive. I really like it. And like, you're just the type of guy. I, I always describe as the type of guy I'd like to go and have a pint with. That is what I always say. <laughs> well, well, well. Do you drink? Do you drink a Guinness? <laughs> you know what? Right, do you know? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've never, really, I've never had Guinness. I've never had Guinness. Ah. But I did swear to myself, if I go to Ireland, that's when I have, do you know, I've never been to Ireland. I went backpacking all around the world and I never went to Ireland. I was supposed to go and see my mate Ed in Dublin, but I never ever got there. Well, I've never been to Scotland either. Um, There you go. We'll we'll have to do, like, send exchange students. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say you could just come up to mine and crash at mine. I'm the one, some random state of mind. (laughs) Um... I'll take no. you to Glasgow then. I'll, I'll let you experience Glasgow. You'll love it. 
Glasgow. Glasgow is, I love Glasgow. I've been so many places in the world and I get asked questions like, what is your favourite places in the world? And I always put Glasgow in there and they're like, really? Is it not the stab capital of the world? And I'm like, it might be, but at the same point, it's an amazing city. Like, um, I much prefer Glasgow to Edinburgh. I'm saying that quite, con- well, it's quite controversial because my cousins are all from Edinburgh. So, oh, <laughs> are, are you, where are you near? Are you near Dublin then? Is that your nearest place? Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm just north of Dublin. So we're actually about 40 minutes, 45 minutes from Dublin city centre. But we live out in the countryside and um, it's, at the moment, we, we'd be considered in the, in the commuter belt. But uh, we live between between two small villages, um, well, reasonably sized villages uh, or towns. And it's nice to have that just little bit of disconnect. You know, there's a lot of greenery around and um, you've got that uh, little bit of space, um, which, which I really value. But we're close enough to the, to the city and to town that when you want that bustle and you want to feel the, the rush of people around you and so on, well, not, not so much since COVID, but uh, um, uh, when you want to feel that buzz, um, it's, only, it's only a short trip away, you know? Well, this can lead us on to the questions then. Well, this could lead us right into them. So this is good, right? So I ask all my guests, right? It's called Ferry Unfiltered, right? And it's obviously, my plan was to make you a coffee. I'd make you a coffee. So what type of coffee would I make you? So you would make me... Uh, an americano with medium roast, uh, medium roast uh, uh, beans, Um, and if I was really going all out, I would say uh, a slow pour over would be would be good. But uh, I'll be... I'll be kind to you and say I'll go with an Americano. None of this, none of this notions with, uh, with your with your oat milk and 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 fairy lights on your. You know, give me give yeah. me a straight shooting coffee any day. See, yeah, man after my own heart. That's what I ordered. I ordered that the other day at Starbucks, and the guy was like, "Really." Like just a coffee, and I'm like, yes, just a coffee or americano. She's like, oh my god, this is the first one I've done today. And I'm like, it's like five o'clock. What do you mean it's the first <laughs> coffee you made? Right. So we've got a coffee there. That's fine. I can totally do that. Right. I'm go- we're going. To- we're going into Dublin, and we're going to get a pizza then. So d- hopefully eat pizza. And if I had to get you pizza, what would I get you? All right. Um, I would probably go for a vegetarian. Right. Uh, vegetarian pizza with do you want all the toppings yeah, go for it maybe as well maybe as well um so i would go with with uh, goat's cheese i would go with uh caramelized onions all of the peppers um and you know what just to mix it up and to be a bit uh out there i'll go with uh, pineapple on it as well it's <laughs> For a bit of refreshment. <laughs> Do you know why I'm laughing? Right? So every time I say this, right, and everybody slags me because I always say, who would put pineapple on a pizza? Everybody are blinking head on. It said pineapple on a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to get ripped for this. I am going to get ripped <laughs> for this chat. <laughs> uh, right, here we go. You need, you, need, you need to win me back now. Right, so I'm going Five people. Now, you're allowed five people to have to dinner, right? Now, they can be from past or present, so they can be from 
Albert Einstein, whoever you want, they can come back. They're not coming back as zombies, though. They're coming back as them, right? So who would you have, past or present, five dinner guests? Okay, so um, I'm looking at my bookshelf because I think that's quite telling. Yeah. And my bookshelf is here beside me. And so I would have Simon Sinek. Yes. Si- okay, Simon Sinek would be first on my list. And Simon Sinek... Uh, wrote start with why and leaders eat last and the infinite infinite game and he is a a leader on leadership and um i suppose business strategy but he also really speaks to my heart on on life strategy i suppose um he's a cool guy and a phenomenal speaker the second person I was ha- would have is Dr. Gabor Mate. Um, Dr. Gabor Mate is a um, really interesting story, actually. He was born in Hungary during... Um, yes, he was born in Hungary in, during World War II, and his mother had to give him to the neighbors. They were Jewish, and uh, had to give him to the neighbors for the first year of his life. And... Um, that was kind of the first traumatic experience that he had um, in his life and eventually moved to Canada, became a family physician, uh, went on to work uh, as a general practitioner with, in, in the public domain. And then he worked with uh, end of life care and addicts, but he was an addict himself through much of his life, whether it was um, substance abuse or um, shopping addictions and so on and he has written some of the most remarkable books on trauma and um, trauma and the way in which it influences our lives and the ways that it shows up in our lives um, and he's fascinating um, I think everybody experiences trauma in their lives and if we don't go back and work on peeling back the layers on some of that stuff, it is the, the, the weight that pulls us down or holds us back, or it's the piece that feeds into the limiting beliefs about all the things that we can't do or that we're not good enough for. Mm-hmm. It's the piece that feeds that negative inner chatter. And so I believe that that is uh, so important for us to look at. Um, so, so he's really good on trauma and so is uh, Bessel van der Kolt. And he wrote uh, The Body Keeps the Score, which is all about trauma as well. Two amazing books. I'm, I'm totally going to go and buy them after this, by the way. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, the next person that I would invite is Tom Crane. Right. So uh, have you heard of a book called The Unsung Her- an unsung hero i i have i don't know what it's about or anything like that. What's... so um tom crane uh was one of the first arctic explorers and um, he went to the arctic back when like they literally had like a woolly jumper on a hat sort of a, a situation and he brought a, a ship of men and they got locked in by the ice and this is where the the phrase um, uh, burn the boat comes from, um, because they basically had to abandon their boat 
and uh, or well it's one of the examples of burning your boats um so they had to abandon the boat and go on foot across the arctic um and it's a remarkable story of of exploration of resilience of tenacity of just hard men doing um doing remarkable work um and and they came uh, many of them came back they they were discovered and they came back and it's just a very cool story um so i'd I'd love to pick his brains um i have two more guests that i can have Mm -hmm. um i would have brené brown um brené brown is a sociologist from um, from Texas, and she has written five best-selling books, um, New York Times bestsellers. But she researches uh, courage, she researches shame, um, and she has written a number of books called uh, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong. Um, I, I can't see any of the others there, um, but she has an amazing talk called The Power of Vulnerability. Uh, it's okay. a TED talk. She has a TED, or she has a Netflix special, like coupled with just being doing really interesting research. Uh, she is hilarious and she humanizes everything. So she's possibly the most relatable researcher that you will ever meet in your life. Um, she's really, really fun. Um, I have so many here. Um, um, the last is, is going to be a hard call. Um, I'm so intrigued with this. I feel like I should give you six. I feel like I should give you six now because I want to know more. I'm sitting here going, go and tell us another one. Go on. <laughs> you know, I, I'd, love, I'd love to have my two granddads. Um, I got to know my, my grannies quite well. I got a lot of time with my grannies and they were remarkable people. But I'd love to bring my, my two granddads um, to learn more about their lives. Uh, one of them... One of them was uh, had two thirds of his stomach removed, and um, he was he was a vet and was a real. Um, he had twelve kids, um, big family, uh, very much committed to to the outdoors and to nature. He worked, yeah, and just very in touch with with nature as as a vet. And my other granddad um, worked, or he worked in banks, but he put himself through night school until he was 36 um, worked during the day and studied at night and he played international soccer for Ireland um, wow. and, and was yes again a really interesting guy and he brought the first um, computer to a bank in in Ireland um, so really would love to to hear more of his story because um, definitely yeah i was young i was young when he passed away uh but like other people that i would love to to get to meet is um edith edgar or or uh, victor frankel these are two people that lived through auschwitz um and the concentration camps and the things that they have to teach us um i would i would love to um, to meet Tim Ferriss um, uh, as like just a, a get shit done life strategist. Um, I think he's he's super cool. I I 
I'm looking at my my list here. There's so many people from the world of health that I would love to interview. Um, I would love to interview Napoleon Hill because he, or to have dinner with him because he wrote the seminal works like Think and Grow Rich, Rich yeah. is you know is like the seminal work of personal development. Um, back in the day nobody really knows that about seven years later his life was in tatters after he wrote that he wrote the playbook to become like successful quote unquote whatever way you define that um and seven years later his life was like in tatters and he wrote another book which wasn't published for another 74 years because it challenged so many um elements that were foundations of society and it was called conversations with the devil and it's arguable whether he was having a psychotic break when he wrote that um and it is a remarkable book where he basically interviews the devil um and tell the devil has to give all his secrets away about how he controls people and um, this is like through the church and education and um, it's it's a perspective altering book um, to say the least um, the list goes on and on and on um, oh, <laughs> Seth no. Godin I, oh there's another good one God, you've yeah. got some gems here you've basically covered my next topic my next topic was going to be what books would you recommend but you've you've recommended loads there which is what's great the, 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 that's what I love asking my guests is like what books because you get so many ones that are like really oh, what's that one and then it's, it's great like because it just allows people to try different things learn different things listen to it be audio or actually just reading a book they just let them see and hear different things but you're, you're your dinner party sounds amazing. Um, proper, apart from the pineapple on your pizza, you ruined that. <laughs> well, that's what really sets it alight, huh? <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I'd still come. I'd stomach it, I'd go for it. I would just eat it anyway. You're giving me a black coffee, I'm all right with that. I'll, I'll just have a black coffee. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would, uh, I'd, I'd introduce you to everybody as... Uh, uh, Look, you might have all come back from the dead, but I've got a real-life fairy here. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like pineapple? No, I love pineapple. I, do. I would eat it. I'd eat it pizza. I would. I'm not going to lie. I would eat it. It's been people over the Hawaiians. I'm like, why are you doing that? There's so many great options. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Jack, thank you so much, by the way, for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your knowledge, your positive energy, and just being a cracking guy. I loved it. I've loved it, mate. It's been great. And I look forward to when this you come to Glasgow. Great. I can't wait to see you tonight out in Glasgow. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, mate, we're going to love it. We're going to love <laughs> it. It's going to be great. See, when COVID's over, we can go to all the pubs. You're going to love it. And then I'm going to come to Ireland and I'm going to, I'm actually, I'm not going to touch any Guinness until I come to see you. That's it. I'm, I'm, yeah, holding, well, you, I'm holding you to that. <laughs> we, we call them pints of cream. <laughs> pints of, is that what you call it? Uh, that's what me and my friends call it a nice creamy pint of Guinness mm. I'm going to get a bash I'll get a bash I don't know I'll blow my arse I'm not going to lie I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a very good drinker I'm, I, I'm... I, I drink very little myself uh, yeah I've had a you know a couple of years ago um, <laughs> so like like any 20 year old at the time I had my injury like I was I was partying plenty and um 
you know that moment when you go into the bathroom and you see yourself and you're like, oh God, <laughs> you know, you know that moment where you're yes. like, if I, if I have one more, like this is going to descend into carnage. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, the trouble was like after I came back after having the spinal injury, the mirrors were too high up. And so I just didn't have that moment anymore. <laughs> And I fell out of my wheelchair too many times on dance floors and had had silly things happen. And I also realized that uh, it, it had become, um, it hadn't become, but it could have become a problem for me um, because I was drinking more when I went out to hide the fact that I was really struggling with my body image post uh, post spinal injury. And um, so when I did my intern year as a pharmacist, I just didn't have the time to be hung over. And I went off booze for nearly a full year and it reset my preference entirely. And now I love waking up fresh. And so, uh, it is rare that you'll find me drinking and when i do it's only it's only a few um but But. that hasn't stopped me from uh venturing for a few creamy points so we'll do that (laughs) let's do that then mate let's do that i'm looking forward to that well thank you so much mate and i hope this has been brilliant i can't wait to get this out (laughs) I'm going to now probably play your video back, take a list of your books and go on Amazon. (laughs) But thank you very much. I hope you have a lovely night and thank you for coming on Ferry Unfiltered. Oh, I am delighted. Thank you so much. And I I might just finish with with one quick quote, if that's all right. Go for Um, it. I wrote this at a time that I was really at a crossroads in my life. And... um, this is, I sat down with my journal and this is what I wrote. So I said, there is no right or wrong path, just a series of events that gives us a flavor of either what it is that sets our heart alight or dampens our soul. What I do know to be true is that in a life that is more disillusioned, disconnected and full of people wearing masks than ever before, the bravest thing that any person can possibly do despite the challenges they may face is to bring their authentic selves to the world. And that that is when the magic will happen. I know that so many people out there are feeling disillusioned, disconnected and are wearing masks. They're not feeling themselves. Just never forget you've got magic within you and be brave because you matter. There you have it. Uh, that what that was you, you uh, I just wish you just out the mic and just that would be you this, <laughs> that was brilliant I love that I'm totally using that as a clip that's if, they, <laughs> Do if they don't they don't listen to podcasts for that day they don't know what they're missing out I mean uh, <laughs> no brilliant <laughs> absolutely love that thank you so much mate well thanking you I hope you have a lovely night and um, I'm off to get this edited I'll probably watch it again I'm so excited <laughs> delighted well i hope you're happy with it thank you thank you